0: Would you personally rather have regional effects or long life?
1: Regional effects.
2: Do you have regional effects in mind that you would have? Minis everywhere get painted as she walks
1: by. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so convenient. Um, Well, as we own a cleaning company, so I've always thought that like Mary Poppins would be the superhero that I would be. So just like if I could just walk like anywhere I go is just clean. Would be awesome, because yeah. that would make my job so much easier. You
2: go from Cinderella <laughs> to Mary Poppins?
1: Yeah, I would, because Mary Poppins can, you know, fly with her umbrella. She's got that bag of holding. She can sing and rooms clean, so um, that's, my, that's my go-to.
2: Because it's a Chromatic <laughs> Dragon episode, I'm going to say uh, Long Life, because I would like to watch my enemies wither and die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very...
2: I'd have to do regional effects. I can't do long life. I can't.
0: I'm too, I'm not very good at being alone. So if I know that everybody I know is going to die and I'll forget about them, that won't work for me. So regional mm -hmm. effects.
2: My question always is long life. Does that mean that I get to just be like 30 for 70 years? Or am I just a shriveled peanut with arms and legs by the end?
1: Yeah.
2: I'm I'm not into it if I'm just a peanut.
1: (laughs) <laughs> like the immortality of a vampire that stays at that age that's yeah. that's the long life you want well
0: that's your it. nose and ears keep growing right so what's that going
2: to look like when you're 800 the nose and ears keep growing oh my god
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, yeah no, no thank you that always pissed me off about yoda he's 900 years old he's got a tiny little nose
1: it's a mimic the round table dungeons and dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get
2: Welcome to another episode in our discussion about dragons in Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition. I'm Adam, and with me today are Pepperina and Terry, and this episode is called Chromatic Dragons, More Colorful Details. Because we're digging into all of the Fizban's details from the latest book, uh Treasury of Dragons, and they gave us some more details about the chromatics, so... We've previously covered all the chromatic and metallic dragons that you can find in the 5th edition monster manual, as well as all sorts of dragon-related creatures and templates. We even spent an episode waxing poetic about what powers and inspirations exist for dragons in previous editions, as well as the named dragons that we could find in 5th edition before Fizzbands came out. You can find all these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, Or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on dragons that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast is going to help flesh out further nuance when it comes to using chromatic dragons in D&D 5th edition. This panel of Dungeon Masters is going to rifle through the pages of Fizban's Treasury of Dragons to see what else the five main evil dragons have to offer outside of the Monster Manual. And stay tuned for the end of the episode where we're going to look into the Chromatic Great Worm, which I believe, Terry, is the name of your... Uh,
0: Oh, sorry. I agreed to that too soon. Is the name (laughs) of my what?
2: No, that's canon now. Um, (laughs) We've spoken in the past about how the dragons of the monster manual seem to be nothing but big pools of hit points with breath weapons. And the majesty and terror is kind of lacking in a fifth edition. While the lore seems flavorful enough, the mechanics don't really back it up. And it's odd that most of the big bad evil guy dragons from the published books all need additional powers to make them scary. Dan has ranted about how dragons should be inherent spellcasters. I've ranted about how they need auras. And I've complained in the past that it's bullshit that chromatics don't get shape shifting polymorph uh, abilities like their counterparts do. But before we continue with the episode, I want to get this out of the way so we can focus on what the new material gives us and not what's left out. So after doing your research, do you still feel like chromatic dragons are underwhelming?
1: I got a nat 20 at my at my amp.
2: Of course you did. I, I go got seven. Eleven. All right. Peps, you're up first. Do you feel like chromatic dragons are underwhelming still mechanically?
1: Um. Well, first of all, I don't know that I've ever thought they were underwhelming because chromatic ones are my favorite. <laughs> okay, fair. But I understand uh, the wanting more out of the books. Um, I I think that they added quite a lot to them with this book. I love all the random tables that you get, so you can make each one of them unique. I uh, you know I've said that so many times before, but I think it really adds quite a lot to your dragons in this book.
2: Yeah, I, this is giving me more. It's getting me ninety percent of the way there. I just still miss auras, and I miss fear effects, and I miss, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I, some of them have frightful presence, but they should always, like, even a wormling, you should be like, oh, fuck, right? Like, there should always be that sense of of wonder with a dragon. You know when they see dinosaurs for the first time in Jurassic Park, that's how you should always feel every time you see a dragon, every time. Yeah. Um, and I just, I still don't get that. The DMs just got to do the heavy lifting on it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for me, they're the right amount. They are the right amount of whelming. <laughs> they're <not> <laughs> overwhelming, <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> um, now that we have well, some added, yeah.
3: So
0: now that we have some added mechanics, right? I think um, the fifth edition is moving away from things being mechanically heavy, and it's it, it's more about things being thematically heavy. And I think the information that we get from FizzBands makes it thematically heavy and inspirational enough that the mechanics that we do have, you can manipulate those in such a way that your encounters with dragons will be uh, very interesting, will be overwhelming.
2: All right, so here's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to go through the five dragons. Uh, we're going to go from lowest to highest uh, in power scale. Um, and we're uh, going to cap off with a great worm. There are in Fizz bands, the same sections over and over again for every single one of the uh, dragons that are listed there, at least the chromatic ones. You get how to create one, which gives you personality traits and ideals, as well as spell casting options. There's also different adventure hooks that you can get, and then different connections. But you get a D6 table. Actually, it's not always a D6 table. Um, they tend to give you more for adults and fewer for ancients, just because I think more people fight adults and very, very few Get high level enough to fight an ancient dragon, but they do give you these tables to roll on of the different kind of connections that you would have um, with other kind of monsters and NPCs depending on how old your dragon is. I would like to say right off the bat, if I have an adult dragon, I'm going to give them a one or two of these, and I'm also going to give them three young and four um, wormling because there should be so many minions As they get older, they should get more and more and more, not just oh. You're hanging out with that giant, right? So um, additionally, on top of that, there's a bunch of new layer stuff because every one of them has a sample layer with a map laid out in the book. Here's the thing about the layers right off the bat. While they have decent details added and there's some good inspiration in there, I find that they're small. Did you guys think that when you were looking at them that like a dragon layer should be bigger?
1: Um, I guess with, with one of mine, it was kind of small. Um... I don't know about the other ones so much, but...
2: I'm just comparing think- it to, to the layers that we get in Volos, which are mm-hmm. just huge labyrinth mazes. Like, they're they're so intricate, and there's all this stuff going on, but they don't even... I don't even see a place for minions to hang out in most of these, right? Like, Yeah, I feel like
0: what they've covered with the maps here is not necessarily making it absolute with the size. It's more like, this is the style of the lair. Mm-hmm. But you can... Yeah expand upon this if you want if it's a network of tunnels or it's vertical shafts whatever you can expand upon that but here's just a small example of of the styling
1: yeah or i would say this is like the main part of the layer and then as a dm you can work out from there
2: yeah for example with the red dragon of course they're in a volcano layer because of course they are um but you have to still get up the freaking mountain and that's still part of the layer Mm -hmm. right We also get more regional effects for everybody, which is good, as well as as a little section on treasures with white dragon art objects uh, for the white dragon. Each one of the dragons gets art objects with a D12 table, which is which is fun. I like that because it gives you more than just, I don't know, gold and that colored gem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there anything you were looking for that you thought was missing from this section? Uh, I don't think so.
0: I think I didn't... Any more for me would be running the risk of like analysis paralysis. It's just too much. But for this is enough where I can draw and focus on two or three parts of building a dragon and and really lean into that instead of having just a little bit of everything you can think of.
2: I thought it was interesting that we got personality traits and ideals, but not bonds or flaws. Right, yeah. But... I also, I, I'm not missing it. By the time that I've got so much other shit to run for a dragon, I'm I'm not missing it. And I know already off the bat, my guy is going to be egotistical. That's his flaw, or yeah, whatever, right? Arrogant. Mm-hmm. Mostly, yeah. Perhaps was anything missing for you?
1: No, I don't think so. Like I, I enjoy this book because it gives you the inspiration and not the definite. So if there's anything missing, it's sort of leaves that open for you as the DM to create your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this gives you a good, I don't really know where to start with a dragon. This gives you a good point. You can read it, you can be inspired, and then you can add it and grow it. So I don't really want everything laid out as this is what it has to be.
2: The other thing that they give you in each section is one example, famous dragon from D&D lore. We're going to cover them. We did a shit ton of them. Of like a ways back we're gonna hit these ones as well in the future um so we're not gonna include them in this episode but it's really nice to see okay this is how they did it for this kind of dragon so mm-hmm. um all right let's launch into it and we're gonna start off of course with the lowest but still incredibly intimidating white dragon now what we know from the monster manual for white dragons is a um they're white uh b they are hunters primarily in the arctic setting they like the cold they've got uh, ice breath they do cold damage uh, from their breath weapon and they're all about uh, brute force and um, skillful hunting tactics now remember every dragon is intelligent but white dragons don't they've got a different kind of intelligence the way that uh, the way that dogs have intelligence where they are essentially a uh, an intuitive hunter they understand their surroundings they're super alert but they're not going to get into a philosophical debate with you about shit. White dragons, they didn't go to university. They got street smarts and they're still going to be an issue, but they're not going to, they're not going to get into a battle of wits with the bard. They're just going to fucking eat them. And it then say, well, that was too easy. Let me take on the barbarian. Cause that's the fun challenge. So FizzBan gives us a quote at the beginning of every single one of the dragon sections. And this one made me smile a little. He says, I enjoy an animated debate, just not with a white dragon. Impossible and ignorant, all of them. The air must be different in the Arctic latitudes, which is pretty on brand. Mm-hmm. So they do give us the creating a dragon section, like I mentioned before, with uh, personality traits and ideals. For the personality traits, the one that stood out to me, again, this is the D8 table, is the one that is the most white dragon-ish. Uh, I meet any challenge to my territory with aggression, even if I can't win outright. So I like that idea of the snarling beast, the you know how a bear will stand up just to intimidate you. a lot of animals will try to look big that level of aggression. I feel like the first time that you meet a white dragon, it is on full display yeah especially if it can't defeat you immediately. When it came to the ideals, my favorite one is the one for isolation. All creatures are either prey or rivals. What do you mean by company? And that's an interesting one for white dragons, because as much as they do have connected creatures, they're really solo hunters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the last part of the creating a white dragon section gives us the basic list of spell spellcasting. Um, it's very simplistic, and it gives us young adult and ancients all have gust of wind, with um, increasingly difficult DCs, and an ancient dragon has the ability to cast Ice Storm. These are the suggested spells. You do what you need to do. I would not say that this should be the limit, especially for an ancient dragon. It should have more than two, but it should always include these two. There are some adventure hooks here. Um, my favorite one out of the list was coker have become a nuisance in the lowlands ever since... They were driven out of their mountain area by the arrival of a white dragon. So you can have a small village out in the middle of the Arctic area that's just being harassed by Aarakocra raiders who are just upset. They want to go home, but they got to live, but they don't have resources. And you think you're going to go fight some Aarakocra, but no, it's a, it's a dragon. It's always a dragon. The other thing I should uh, mention is for the most part, I skipped away from this because it's pretty on the nose. If you know anything about white dragons, there's some, giant stuff in here because white dragons and giants tend to go hand in hand. When we get into the connections, there are uh there's a d6 table for the wormling, um a d6 table for the young, a d8 for the adult and a d4 for the ancient. So for a wormling, yeti's keep a white dragon wormling chained near the entrance of their lair to discourage scavengers, which I thought would be neat. I also think that that can be flipped around and I mean when it gets big enough, the yeti's are going to they're gonna work for the for the dragon. It's not gonna put up with this shit forever. Um, mm-hmm. and it might they might be actually the first trophy that they get is the corpses of the Yetis. Um for a young white dragon, we get a young white dragon has gained control of an invisible stalker and sends it out to steal treasure. I thought that was interesting because it never occurred to me that it would team up with something that isn't directly and obviously ice themed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to see that. Um for the adult, an adult white dragon. Captured by devils decades ago, now serves as a mount for an ice devil, which I thought is pretty fun. If you guys know anything about ice devils, they look like giant kind of praying mantis looking things. So that's a really neat visual for me. I I think it's in Icewind Dale. There's uh uh rider on the back of a dragon a, a, an undead corpse mm-hmm. that's uh, that's on the back of a dragon yeah
1: i've come across that dragon <laughs>
2: uh and i uh, was the
1: sole survivor of that encounter were you <laughs> yeah i oh. left all my friends to die and ran
2: that as as you do yes yeah supposed to do um if you're if you are up in the arctic and you are being attacked by a monster you shoot a dog right terry or yep. you mm-hmm. uh you leave your friends to die so, distraction yeah. murder yeah. yeah um normally you'll see a frost giant riding a, an ancient dragon i think it's nice to see a a uh, ice devil riding an adult white dragon so and then for ancient dragons um of course it gets a little bit more um intense a community of orcs believe an ancient white dragon to be the reincarnation of a legendary leader they've been venerating the dragon so long that the dragon now believes the story and speaks proudly in orc about the orc's triumph so like me, yeah uh i i do like fighting hordes and armies of big powerful creatures so that's fun i i really like the artwork for the white dragon in this one they it seems um scary in yeah. a way that the, the one in the monster manual just seems like he's going out for a stroll right so, In the lair, they give us a bunch of different things, but essentially it is a frozen stream. Um, They give us a bunch of little smaller rooms, including, you know, the cave entrance, a little dining hall area where it eats its meals before it moves in. And it's just like stinks in there. There's a rocky grotto, a low cavern where it used to have its lair when it was a wormling. uh, And then it moved up into a higher position, which is the upper cavern. And then that says the lower cavern might have minions in it. I would definitely put minions there. Um, But you get a couple of additional layer actions, including blinding sleet, which is just a shit ton of of snow and sleet, which could blind you if you don't make a con save, or whirling wind, uh, which there's actually rules in the DMG for how to deal with strong wind conditions, and it just points you in that direction. So the regional effects that you get are... Biting Chill, which is uh, when everybody within six miles and anybody that does not have immunity or resistance to cold damage is going to get disadvantage on strength and dex because you are so cold. Um, then the other one, of course, is uh, Mirror Ice, which is the layer reflect light like mirrors, giving creatures in the layer other than the dragon, disadvantage on stealth checks made to hide. So there's just a lot of fun, like Funhouse mirror crap going on there. When it comes to dragon treasures, white dragons tend to like, you know, white gems that, because of course they do, but they're, they're really more interested. They'll, they'll take silver and gold, but they'll bury it. What they want to do is have, um, all of the precious gems that sparkle so that when you cast light, it looks like there's almost a starry sky on every surface that embedded in the ice walls. They do take a lot of trophies, um. But they're most proud of the biggest ones and the most difficult to get, even if they're garbage trophies. If they had a real issue hunting down and fighting some displacer beast that just kept moving and moving and moving, that skull, even though it's just a displacer beast, might have a better place of honor in and among its horde than anything else will. And remember, they tend to display this stuff by freezing it up against the walls or into like ice pillars and things like that. So it's not just like when you think trophies is not mounted nicely above a fireplace, it's Mm -hmm. like built into the lair. Now they do give you this D12 art objects list, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, But as I was going through it, like I don't know, here's one, a wooden throne heaped with furs. Any visitors must sit on the throne while the dragon recounts the grisly death of the seat's previous owner. So that's, that's fun. Some of these mm-hmm. are, are neat and flavorful. Um, I'm not sure a white dragon is going to get into a whole lot of story
1: conversation. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, it's also interesting that a, a a creature that wants supremacy would allow another cre- would insist that another creature sits on their throne as well. I think.
2: Well, I, I really, if I'm leaning into the, to the, Evil of it. I like the idea of them not telling the the owner of the throne, the last person to sit here had this history. What's your story? Tell me now so I can tell the next person that sits here after you.
1: Yeah. I do like the as a as a hunter, and growing up around a lot of hunters, you we always have a story. There's always the this big hunt and it you know gets more and more elaborate every time you tell it. So I do like the idea of white dragons being so like they're hunters. that's what they do and having to tell their hunting story to, like if you show up at my at my cave, I'm going to tell you the story of how so, I defeated this beast.
2: So anybody listening, um, Pepperina here has just claimed to have killed a twenty-eight point buck <laughs> and a dire bear.
3: Yes,
2: with one arrow. So that's kind of what we're given for white dragons. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's grab dice. Uh, I've got a couple of questions.
0: Sure. Okay. We rolling. Oh. Eight, oh, three.
1: I'm gonna roll this rock, so it sounds like I'm making a noise, but fifteen. <laughs>
0: You could have done that the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> um, I've been doing that for three years.
1: Three years. He's
2: uh, what, what pe- just making up realize- numbers
1: of whether he wants to go first or not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we just add the dice rolls and post. Um, so, Peps, what is your favorite piece of new inspiration about White Dragons?
1: I like all the, um, the creature connections and just... I feel like a lot of times when you're in a dragon campaign, like there's the dragon in that set. I like the idea of other creatures being involved. with it and it adds more to the story it adds more clues for your players to try and figure out um and just more flavor and more things
0: terry i was going to say the same so i won't i i i love the maps i love the expansion upon the maps because then you can tie it to the dragon's personality and their standard tactics uh, and now you can really come up with creative combat encounters when i see that frozen stream with all of the smaller rooms along there my mind instantly went. Oh, the the uh, objective here is not to kill the dragon, but it's probably to retrieve something from inside. And this looks like a perfect kind of chase scene, as you're like uh, as the dragon kind of moves between these smaller rooms, and you're trying to make your way along this frozen river. It looks like you're going to be running the gauntlet. Uh, so yeah, so the maps for me um, really uh, inspired me for the combat encounters.
2: The thing that I really liked the most was the uh, the layer actions, and that's going to be standard, I think, across the board for me. Uh, I like getting this, the three layer actions. I would only ever have three, but I would select, depending on the party and depending on the dragon, which three I'm going to use out of now a list of five. Um, and same thing for a regional effects. Okay. Having more options is going to make different dragons feel unique in different ways without me having to just come up with shit on the fly, which is, which is nice. Are these the right spells? Gust of Wind and um, Ice Storm? Peps, are we missing one? Yeah, here?
1: I mean, it makes sense.
2: Is there something else that you would add to the list?
1: Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there, any ice spell is gonna work. You know, I think there was what a new like snowball one that would be fun to throw
2: in there. Yeah, the snowball <laughs> um, one. Fun. Yeah, the, I think the problem. Well, Terry, you go.
0: Um, I think the spells fit. They're very combat kind of related spells. So that's how I would sort of use them. Makes sense as a hunter about manipulating the position of the enemy i mean i think there's an argument you could have like control weather and maybe just limit it around the dragon's personalities like special conditions um but i think those two i think those two are pretty good
2: yeah i think the problem here is that there's not a whole lot of ice spells uh mm-hmm. that exist out there and things like ray of frost and cone of cold and that kind of shit you already have a breath weapon yeah you have a breath weapon yeah so mm-hmm. so you don't need that shit um, so, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine with this. This is, this is good. I have no problem with that. Maybe, uh maybe some sort of intimidate or charm thing, but now I'm making spells and that I, I don't need to do that. So, yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? It's, it's the hunter thing they should have a uh, hunter's mark. Hunter's mark. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Actually, that'd be great. So how do you feel about the new layer details and regional effects? Peps?
1: Um, I, am a big fan of regional effects in general. Um, I think they add a lot of fun to any dragon really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I like any, any new layer effects, any new regional effects. I think they only really add more to it.
2: Did you like, did you like these ones? Cause there's, there's no damage being done in any of them. They're all environmental based.
1: I think that's that's pretty common with regional effects. They're all
2: well regional um, effects, yes, but uh, the layer but the layer effects tend to some of them tend to be damaged, we didn't get any damage ones mm-hmm. from the dragons.
1: Yeah, I mean you can always you can always add damage onto them if you want to, or you could just I love just the chaos of things mm-hmm. too that don't add damage, but just add chaos to the fight and keep your party guessing.
0: Uh, I love them because they didn't have damage, those layer actions. I think when you have such an established hunter as a white dragon, they have their methodology of how they are going to kill you. This is all about where they're going to position you or how they're going to stop you from doing what you want to do so that they can set their perfect trap. Uh, so I like that it's not a, it's not damage related
2: yeah my favorite thing about this is is the whirling wind right which is all about these like strong wind conditions and it says right here the dragon's flying is not affected by the wind so everybody else is getting just beat to shit by this but not the dragon which feels magical and interesting and makes dragons seem scarier still so yeah i I love these this is fantastic Mm -hmm. what do we have next we have uh black dragons
1: that's me. Black dragons are one of my favorite dragons. No fucks given. They are a dragon. They're going to do what they want. They're going to take pleasure in it. Um, They're definitely, I would say, the most sadistic of the dragons. They're not the most powerful, but they don't really care because they're going to eat you anyways. Um, So the Fizban's quote here is, Tiamat spent the most time crafting her black dragon. I was flabbergasted at her final product and suggested oh so many adjustments, but at some point a project is simply due. Um, So for the D8 table of uh, dragon traits we got, I picked two of them. Watching the works of lesser beings crumble and fall into ruins fills me with joy. And nothing lasts forever, but I promise to outlast you. And I think these both really speak to the just sadistic nature of the black dragon. And you know, they don't really they don't really care, but they're gonna have joy in just watching you fall. <laughs> <laughs> um for the black dragon idea, we get a d6 table. Um, I only picked one of those possessing the possessing what others covet is immensely satisfying so they don't necessarily want the thing but you want the thing so they're gonna take it and just get pleasure out of that for the spells we get for young they get blindness deafness and create destroy water at adult they gain plant growth and at ancient they get insect plague um i get a lot of like evil druid vibes off of these spells yeah. for sure they're like the more i read into this the more i was like black dragons are really just an evil spore druid <laughs> yeah. the...
2: it's cool that they didn't go darkness they went blindness deafness right mm-hmm. that
1: yeah. seems
0: more sadistic yeah than, than changing the environment yeah.
2: yeah fuck you specifically
0: yeah exactly
1: specifically. yeah <laughs> um i like the The plant growth, I like the insect plague that fits in quite well as I'll get into, um, you know, their layer actions and things like that. I think it all really lines up pretty well. What do you think about create, destroy water? Do you think that fits?
2: Thematically, they should have that because they lived in despoiled areas that are rotting and noxious and shit. So, yeah. So, yes. But is it ever going to come up? No. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't I don't view this as create clean drinkable water. This yeah. is create the stankiest, most
2: awful water ever. Are our uh, lungs an open container? No, oh, not anymore. <laughs>
1: it is for them. Um, For the black dragon adventure hooks, we get a D8 table and I have a black dragon recently took control of a band of pirates and their backwater hideout. Embolden, the pirates have started raiding nearby shipping lanes. I like this. Everyone likes a pirate campaign. Everyone likes a dragon campaign. This is a good way to mix the two um and i think they're both gritty enough to work well together
0: you've got to be polymorph in that black dragon into uh
2: into some sort of sexy goth pirate captain (laughs) there's no other way there's no you do not specify male or female so i'm just like picturing like big daddy pirate i like i was
1: was picturing big daddy pirate too
2: (laughs) really
0: i like female dragons I like I don't know maybe it's <laughs> I like powerful
2: female lizards mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned after the end credits where we actually unpack that shit and dig into Terry's <laughs> inner turmoils so yeah
1: these really just become therapy sessions digging into <laughs> Terry and like like deep-seated issues I feel like
0: I just dig deeper into the abyss from one of these
1: <laughs> this really it really explains quite a lot about our personalities <laughs> for connected creatures, um for the wormlings, we get a D6 table. A gnome relic hunter looting a long abandoned city strikes up an unlikely partnership with a black dragon wormling to plunder an archaeological dig. Uh this has like gnome Indiana Jones vibes meets black dragon baby and I love anything gnome, you guys know that. <laughs>
2: i also like the the idea of a a gnome riding a wormling that's
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um for young we get another d6 table a young black dragon with a talent for alchemy has weaponized the spores of a myconid colony um this again feeds into the black dragons or evil druids vibe that i got from them but I mean, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they weaponize the it spores? Is sadistic.
0: This is like biological warfare now. Like, this is really yeah. sadistic. If you have these spores popping up and, you know, in the farms and the towns and stuff. Like but, but
2: spores are already weaponized. If, mm-hmm. if you get infected by the spores, you become essentially a zombie servant to, to the myconids. Like, that's... I was like, watch out Watch out for the black spores. They do, they do extra shit beyond that. The regular, mm-hmm. like, beige ones are bad enough but now there's going to be red ones and green ones and black ones and just a black dragon just giggling in the background.
1: <laughs> um, for adult, we get a D8 table. Uh, an adult black dragon has hidden a cache of gems in a dismal topiary maze filled with shambling mounds, traps, and noxious plant life, all for the amusement of testing adventures. Um Again, this is, you're there for their amusement, whether you die, whether you live, they're probably going to hope you die, but they're just going to watch and enjoy. This one is probably the, uh, for the ancient, It's which is a D4 table, is like the scariest one I think I've read out of any of these. An illithid community has spent nearly a millennium raising and preparing a black dragon to become an elder brain dragon so the elder brain can wreak ruin upon its rivals
2: the elder brain dragons are fucking terrifying we'll get into those in another episode Uh huh. i just love the idea of like the black dragon is on board for this shit too mm-hmm. uh, raised okay. to believe one day i will ascend right like that's fucked up that's
1: terrifying that's a terrifying campaign to be thrown into For the black dragon layers, black dragons are typically found in swamps and jungles and prefer to find ruins in these areas to build their layers in. So they give us a map of the ruins of an old chapel. Um, The wood clearly rotted away years ago, leaving one lone tower. Next to the tower is a swampy lake where the dragon sleeps. The swamp is filled with the smell of dead fish and rot and is surrounded by dense plants and trees. This is where that like plant growth comes in to play. As part of the dragon's corrupt influence, a thick fog covers the air. The chapel floor is exposed with cold stone columns jutting out. Going into the main hall, you see two staircases leading into a partially flooded crypt. Five sarcophagi raised above the waterline with carvings of what look like warriors, but has been so um, corroded by acid that you can't make out who they were. Each hold what looks like treasure, but these sarcophagi are traps. There is a fully submerged tunnel that leads to the lake where the dragon sleeps. So this is an easy way for the dragon to sort of get in and out without being seen.
2: Yeah, black dragons have swim speeds, right? So that makes Mm -hmm. sense.
1: At the end of the chapel floor, you see a still standing tower opening the large oak door. You see the tower is completely empty except for a staircase that ends mid air before reaching the third level. The dragon keeps its hoard at the top of the crumbling tower where it can perch and stare into the gloom. Those who can fly, those who can't fly must try to climb the walls covered with slimes and traps in hopes of claiming the treasure. Now, even if you can fly, if you're that one party member that can fly and you're just like, oh, I'm going to fly to the top of this tower, then you have a dragon up there by yourself.
2: That That's always a trap. Without your
1: party. Yeah.
2: You are splitting the party. Good luck there.
1: So even if I could, I don't know that I would.
2: Name my sexting. <laughs> even if I could. Oh.
1: Um, we get three additional layer actions, filth burst, um, which is the dragon chooses a point on the ground. It can see within 120 feet, a 20 foot radius, 20 foot high cylinder of watery filth centered on that point erupts from the ground until initiative count 20 on the next round. Um, each creature in the cylinder when it appears or that ends its turn must make ADC-15 constitution saving throw or take 3d6 poison damage or half as much if they succeed. And the cylinder is difficult terrain. Um, then we have grasping muck. Tendrils of roiling muck extend from the dragon's lair to grasp up to three creatures of the dragon's choice that it can see within the lair. A targeted creature must succeed a DC 15 strength saving throne or be restrained. And then noxious gas. A bubble of swamp gas erupts in a 20-foot radius sphere centered on the point the dragon can see within the layer. Each creature in the area must succeed a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be poisoned for one minute. So those are, unlike the other one, those all do damage. Or no, one's restrain and the other.
2: Yeah, they're, they're nasty.
1: Yeah. So the one gives you poison. The one gives you damage and the one restrains you. So it really gives you a full array of uh, choices there depending on what you need. Um, for regional effects, I don't know how to say this word.
2: <laughs> is, my, is my favorite one. Is one. It
1: is uh, ennui. Ennui. <laughs> I would have said it, we. not like that. <laughs> uh, creatures. Yeah, that, yeah uh, creatures that spend a year within ten miles of the dragon's lair are filled with listless despair. Um, Then we have greeting spies, trilling obnoxious birds, bugs, and reptiles follow any humanoid creature unknown to the dragon within six miles of the lair, imposing disadvantage on stealth checks. And the dragon can suppress that at will. And then rotting domain, Um, stinging bugs are aggressive and the air is heavy with the odor of rot for six miles of the lair. You don't want to live anywhere near a black dragon lair with these regional effects. Like, that's what I've learned. You don't... Any other dragon, like, they're livable. Some of them are just a little quirky. These, you don't want to be near that.
2: You are never going to sneak up on a black dragon with those those spies following you everywhere.
1: Yeah.
0: With those, those stinging bugs that are aggressive, like good luck getting a good night's sleep the night before when you plan Mm -hmm. to go in the next morning as everyone does and kill this dragon, because you may have some people coming out with exhaustion here. If they can't give a a legitimate method of uh,
2: escaping these bugs in the night. I do love me some exhaustion.
1: And then we have the uh, treasure for the black dragons. They prefer objects of culture, magical or scientific significance, Um, gems, opals, metals, precious metals that don't corrode easily in stone sculptures. Um, I've picked out two of the list given. A lavishly illustrated genealogy kept in a magically sealed container that disputes a current monarch's right to the throne. I think that one can add a lot to like a hook and it's not just a piece of art but it's now a piece that somebody is hiring you to go get this because I don't want it known that. I'm not rightfully, you know, the no. right person for this throne. Um, and then I have a beautifully enameled urn holding the descendant, the desiccated heart of the dragon's former green dragon rival. Um, I I imagine that's like on a stand in the middle. See that guy? Yeah, I killed him. That's. It's going to happen to you.
2: That, yeah, that's loads of fun, and I like the fact that at any point he could just like eat the heart, but he chooses not to. It's mm-hmm. so. What's your favorite piece of new inspiration about these dragons? Let's roll for it. Eleven. I got a two. Twelve. Of course you did, Peps. You're up first. What's your favorite piece <laughs> of inspiration?
1: I like that they really lean into the environment in the swamp and the bugs and the the overgrowth of of plant life and that i think you can do a lot with all of that stuff before you even get to the dragon that's really gonna just throw a wrench in whatever your party has planned
0: Terry, sure. i am really loving the dragon connections because i think it's hard to to connect these creatures with other creatures outside of you know minions um but you know often you'll have like the dragon campaign the giant campaign but this kind of exposes that whole web of how everything is connected sometimes there's mutual enemies or there's mutual goals uh you know there's a lot of intrigue and this is just examples of spark inspiration of how you can connect different creatures together i think it's done really well
2: i gotta say the thing that stood out for me was the idea that a dragon has dead dragons on display as trophies like we talk about them fighting we talk about trophies but i never made that connection before so i don't know that was that stuck out for me are these the right spells for the dragons
1: i really like these spells for this dragon i think they fit in very well i mean the create destroy water like you said i don't know that it's ever really going to come up oh, i would use in, a lot. Yeah. I yeah
0: Would yeah to, to, to manipulate the environment i would
2: also i would also use it to like these guys have been walking through this area for how long with like toxic water. They must be running low. I can offer it to you, but you got to do shit for me.
0: Yeah,
3: that's true.
0: Yeah. I I love it again, that they're not damage related. It's pure. It, they're purely sadistic. The blindness mm-hmm. deafness is the best example of that create destroy water. you can get. um, You can get creative with it, but like the insect plague, it's all about just making you feel uncomfortable, making your time in this region, just completely miserable.
1: And even like with the plant growth, as I play a couple of druids and usually that's I'm going to regrow this forest and it's going to be beautiful and lush and bring life back. They're using it in a completely different way. Um, Not necessarily to bring life and beauty, but just to fuck up your day and make it harder for you to get to them. And they're not pretty plants that they're growing.
2: Yeah, I got to say, the one thing that's missing for me off this list is Stinking Cloud. And that one does do damage, but I Mm -hmm. feel like that just makes sense in this environment. Mm -hmm. Um, Peps, how do you feel about the new layer details and regional
1: effects? I think they fit very well. I like the, you know, bugs and birds sort of spies that you're not going to sneak up on them. And you're not even going to realize their spot. Like, nobody's going to think a mosquito following them around is a spy. It's just a pest that, you know, you're not going to necessarily hide talking about your plan when there's bugs flying around you and think anything of it.
0: Terry? I love the layer actions because they're very difficult to prepare for. You know, some of the more traditional ones that we see where it's like building walls and stuff. Okay. We know we have um, PCs with high movement. We'll maybe get around. This is stuff that's harder to prepare for the radius things and the con saves you know, it, how it's going to affect your movement. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of unknowns where you can't really have a perfect plan for taking on one of these dragons. It's, it's going to be, you know, a lot of changing decisions. You better just hope that everybody on the team has enough critical thinking where they can still execute their plan while everyone else's is failing.
2: I got to say, I think my favorite detail about this is the fact that they officially said half of this layer is above water, half of it's underwater. Yeah. Um and when you combine that with plant growth, making your PCs swim and then growing the seaweed around them mm-hmm. is so much scarier. So I'm uh ooh, you know what? Entangle should be on the list too. Yeah, definitely. I know we mention it in just about every episode that we've got a subreddit, R slash it's a mimic, but I wanted to point you guys directly there because that's where I keep the episode guide updated every week. Also, we have a post there that's stickied at the top, which is there for mailbag questions, and we refresh that on a regular basis. I know that I'm in there as often as I possibly can, updating the list so that we're ready to go the next time that a mailbag episode comes around. And everyone except Terry is lurking around on there. It doesn't feel like it, but I damn well know for a fact, because they mention it to me, that Jeff and Dan and Dave and James and Kyle, like we're all lurking around waiting for someone to post something and feeling, I don't know, weirdly awkward. I guess they feel awkward. Anyway, feel free to talk to the people directly. You don't have to just kind of post an official question. If you want to call somebody out for something funny they said or something they got wrong on an episode, that's really the place to do it. You can send interesting links to D&D related nonsense that you found online, or just come in with a cool story about something that happened in your campaign. It's really the best way to get a hold of us for just kind of shooting the shit when it's not an official question, or a request, or a shout out. And of course, you could just shit talk Terry behind his back because he's the only one that's not on there and he's not going to check it. It's r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. You're invited to come hang out at your leisure. Let's get back to the episode.
0: Okay, so I'll go over green dragons, and green dragons, as we remember, are the schemers of the chromatic dragons. Not necessarily sadistic, but certainly scheming. A lot of intrigue, backstabbing, uh, manipulation. Uh, this uh, This is green dragons, typically in forested areas. Fizban says, in some ways, the green dragons are the most dragon of the dragons.
2: Pity that Tiamat gets credit for them. Sure. Well, if you remember, Fizban is also kind of Bahamut, who also Mm -hmm. created dragons, and apparently they all work together to make dragons. So I guess what he's saying is he, he did a lot of this, but, you know, whatever. We'll we'll give her the credit for but this. TMI
0: is getting the credit. Yeah. The uh-huh. dragon. Yeah. Um, so with these scheming green dragons, then, of course, they'll have their own personality traits. A couple that stuck out for me are, I allow others to dwell in my forest if they act as my eyes, ears, and occasional playthings in return. Touches a little bit on the sadistic side, uh, but, uh, but certainly scheming as well. The second one being, I hate how much people think they matter in a world that was old before their kind even learned the idea of names. I, uh, in a way, would certainly agree to that. You know, I think uh, as humans, we get a lot of these kind of, there's like first four problems, but then there's also human problems, which in the grand scheme of things are not really a big deal. It's maybe just been a big deal in the past 50 years. That's it. For a couple of the green dragon ideals, then, uh, the idea of control. So all lesser creatures should bear their throats to their betters. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think you would want to be uh, challenged by creatures that you consider to be lesser than you. And the idea of intrigue, The world is so much more entertaining when no one trusts anyone. This is really what I like about green dragons as well. It's just making so that it's not necessarily one side or the other is winning, but nobody trusts anyone. Nobody has a clue what's going on and nobody knows what to believe. I think these days we can kind of draw parallels from this. And that is very green dragon, uh, very green dragon like. So for their spell casting, they get invisibility, speak with animals as they move to the adult age, they get plant growth. And as they move into the uh, ancient dragon uh, stage, they add mass suggestion as well. For green dragon adventure hooks, the two that stuck out to me uh, is a cult is preparing travelers to feed a newly hatched pair of green dragons. And a green dragon stalks a well-known trade route, interrogating passers-by for information on on a dead gold dragon's lost hoard. I love that because it's this idea of... You know every dragon has a different objective right they're looking for something different and just because a dragon has come across you doesn't necessarily mean that you're the most important part of their day they're just the most important part of your day so it's like, hey yeah i know i could kill you i actually i'm not interested in that right now look you i just need information on this thing and hopefully you can provide it otherwise they may be getting uh, frustrated with you uh for some connected creatures then a couple of stuck out for me here for the adult green dragon Giant apes raised by the green dragon now serve as the dragon's hunting party. I love this because this is how you connect different creatures and I think this is phenomenal. I got some Wizard of Oz vibe from this uh, as well. (laughs) This is uh, just amazing. And an ancient green dragon is the guardian of a lich's phylactery and extorts favors from the lich to keep it. This is fantastic as well because this is two hugely powerful creatures uh, that are benefiting from each other and of course there's gonna be some intrigue and some backstabbing here. It also means that you can use an example like this to put a green dragon into your campaign, even though the campaign does not necessarily revolve around that dragon, you still get an ancient dragon in there. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes to the layers then, what's inter- interesting about green dragon layers is they're often constructed from hollowed out great trees that will create vertical shafts down to different levels of tunnels. and there'll always be the situation where you can never get from top to bottom on a single shaft from a single tree. So you have this kind of multi-level, almost like the old sort of 2D video game platform games, uh, this kind of multi-level map where there may be times where you have to go, in order to get out of the lair, you may have to go deeper into the lair, kind of down the stairs and then back up the stairs. Uh, These would be constructed around jungles, bayous, pine forests, and basically anywhere where there's abundant vegetation. And uh, the horde chamber will have multiple entrances to the horde chamber. And it may be one way sometimes, like you get to the end of the tunnel and then there's a steep cliff, for example, and there's the horde chamber, uh, which can make it very difficult to escape. This is all part of the scheming side for me, it's just a constant puzzle. There's multiple ways in, multiple ways out, but they're not necessarily all accessible at once. And so when it comes to some layer features, then things to consider, you would have to consider the canopy of the vegetation that's around, what's underground, how the hoard chamber is situated in, in comparison to the tunnels and the vertical shafts, and also that there would be a lashing root in there as well. So for the... Um, uh, sorry for the for the two layer actions that they have. Lashing root is the first one I want to touch on, and then the creeper vines. So for the lashing root, this is essentially one large root or branch um, that is that is part of the layer will make a melee attack against a creature within 10 feet of it, and that creature will get 3d6 bludgeoning damage on a hit. Uh, if the target is medium or it's smaller than medium, it must succeed on a DC 15 Strength saving throw, or it will be knocked prone. For the creeper vines. The dragon can use the vines and roots within the lair to animate up to three humanoid corpses, and they will become zombies as per zombies in the monster manual, and they will take their turn immediately after this lair action. And each one will revert to an inanimate corpse uh, after one minute, or when the dragon uses their lair action again, or when that zombie is destroyed. Well then. Well then, indeed. For the regional effects that we'll see, there's Inviting Whispers, So whispers rustle in the foliage within one mile of the dragon's lair. The words are are indistinct, as in you can't make out what they're saying necessarily, uh, but a creature with an intelligence score of five or higher interprets them as an invitation to move deeper into the greenery. You will also get twisted messengers, The dragon can cause any tiny beast within one mile of its lair action to act as a mouthpiece. So this effect is particularly horrendous as the creature's throat and mouth will temporarily warp into a twisted version of the dragon's own in order to deliver this message. And I love this because I, I imagine this to be incredibly painful for that creature. Their bones will start popping. Their structure will change. And they're only tiny little bird or something uh, to make this happen. And, you know, I always I say in the uh, in the style of the Green Goblin, first we attack their hearts. Go after their pets with this is my thing. And go after their pets and do this to their pets. And, uh, and this will get them riled up. And when PCs or players get riled up and agitated, they don't think properly. They blame each other. The whole thing falls apart. And you've executed a green dragon tremendously okay so for the treasures of the green dragon then uh what i like about the treasures of the green dragons it's essentially taking something beautiful and pure and maybe even angelic and just kind of twisting it into something poisonous so two examples being the polished skull of a unicorn which is latticed with luminescent blooms so you've kind of taken something kind of innocent and divine and uh, and twisted it, or a stained glass window set within a fragment of wall depicting the many death, deaths of an elf monarch.
2: Yeah, I feel like they hate elves.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they would hate elves. Well, elves are long-lived and, and you know, they're associated with wisdom and intelligence and, uh, you know, the counterpart of that is a scheming, I guess, so it makes sense. Uh, but that's it. That's it for Green Dragons.
2: That's everything I have. All right, so let's roll initiative. Sure. Eleven. Twelve. Uh seven hey i get to go first so uh, my favorite piece of new inspiration about these guys is um i i love their speak with animals shit that is just the ability to speak through them and then cast speak with animals really feels it feels good as a green dragon. i was a mastermind as the little finger of dragons that feels right um Although I guess it was uh, Varus who had all the little birds. Doesn't matter, this feels good <laughs> for dragons.
0: I love the fact that every part of this dragon is just poison, all of it. Like, if, like you know, technical poison or just if thematically poisonous. Everything is just a, a twisted game. It is about uh, using you against each other, about warping your perceptions, uh, making you question yourself. It's just gaslighting on a large scale. And that's what I love about this dragon is you'll just never be totally sure um, in yourself and your decisions.
1: Yeah. I think with green dragons, it's sort of, you never know if they're going to show up and eat you or if they're just going to toy with you. Like it really just depends on on the day for that dragon. (laughs) Um, Like the, the one suggestion about they're just looking for information on the gold dragons horde. Like they're, they show up, you're like, I don't, I don't know if this dragon's going to eat me or if it just needs information and it could go either way or it could just get the information and then eat you.
2: I like the idea of it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to kill you. You tell me what I want to know. and I'm just going to let you go. By the way, I'm taking your horse as a snack on the way.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Um, Are these the right spells for this dragon? I I like them again entangled fits, but like, I like it. Yeah. Dissonant whispers I feel is missing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I like them, too. I think invisibility makes sense, but probably not for a combat purpose. You could use it as a combat purpose, but this is more like information gathering and kind of just an extension of your stealth. Speak with animals, of course. Plant growth, yeah, absolutely. Mass suggestion, I love. It's all about manipulation. Uh, I would really lean into that one. But, uh, yeah, I think the spells are great.
2: They, they say elsewhere in the book that you can add polymorph as you see fit. And, of course, green dragons would benefit from that more than anyone else. So, yeah. yeah. Um, peps?
1: I think mass suggestions probably my favorite one there for them. I could see them using that quite a lot to um, just either get information or just entertain themselves if they just want to be yeah entertained that day.
2: We're getting a lot of stuff like, Oh, these things are my little play things. And like, we're getting that from dragons, which is of course how they would see the world, but what do they do when they play? It can't be good. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's making people cry because they're bored, right? And it's, you know, the green dragons is going to get bored on a random Sunday and be like, Hey, you know what? We're going to get, we're going to use all of my shit to get these two people to get a divorce. Just cause. Yeah. Just cause.
0: Uh, I see it a little bit differently with green dragons with black dragons. I see it as the PCs are the dragon's toys with the green dragons. You're the green dragons tools. You know, you're not the you're not the Friday night play thing. You're the Tuesday afternoon visit to the bank. Like I've still got to get that done. I need to use you. Hey, lucky you, you're not gonna to die today. However, you are a tool that I need to use to get what I really want.
2: I just wonder what what do they I mean, we know we know what they want. They want power and whatnot. Once they get it though, what do they do? When a green dragon rules the land, how are they fucking with people? Yeah. So that actually like. How? What was Jafar's end game? Become Sultan, then what? Even towards the end, he was kind of uh, just felt like he was making up as he went along, right? Like, uh yeah. here now you're wearing sexy red clothes. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Like that. What way to go, Jafar? You really helped us out here. Um.
1: I think but, that helped out a lot of uh, boys. I don't think it um. helped me out.
0: <laughs> I think it made everything worse. I think that was, I blame Jafar for the start of all of this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. When it comes to the layer details and the regional effects, I, I again, I really like this stuff. Um, I'm enjoying the fact that we're getting such unique layer effects that are getting added. I really wish that we got three for the white dragons. Everybody else is getting three, they only got two. Right. Um, but uh, but man, those creeper vines, the creeper vines are fun. Just just here we go, have a zombie. I just I love yeah. the idea. Yeah,
0: I like I like. I like them because it feels like they're just designed to just exhaust you. Like even trying to get to a green dragon should just be exhausting. You should, as soon as you think you've got it figured out, you, you haven't got it figured out. That was all part of the chess game. And, you know, just to even try and get to them, your party should be bickering amongst each other. By the time they get there, like an NPC is just, I don't know, died because of something or like, you know, the whole thing should be falling apart before you can even see the dragon.
2: Perhaps. And
1: like, like adding on to that, you can't even trust the like pets and familiars in the party anymore because they've sent you a message through them. And like, is this thing a spy? Did you bring a spy? We need to kill it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And even, you know, the party may not even be aware that it's the dragon speaking through the pet at first. Obviously when their face starts to crack and break and stuff, maybe. But, you know, you could even just, Use that against them. You could just have the pet tell the owner that they don't like them anymore and they don't want to be with them. They think they're useless and they'll never succeed in anything. And then just leave. And then just go off to, to do the green dragons bidding somewhere else. Uh that would that would that would break them.
1: That would break a lot of hearts.
2: So speaking of heartbreakers, uh blue dragons.
1: For blue dragons there. I feel like they're more going to use. What they can't, like, they're, especially with the spells that you get, like, they're tricky in a way that's different than green dragons. They're not tricky to be tricky. They're tricky in more of a tactical way. They're
2: Um, just expert strategists.
1: Yes, they are very tactical. They are going to get into your head to get what they want, not necessarily to fuck with you, but just to get what they want out of you. Um, and they're going to collect the best. They're going to do what they need to do to reach where they feel that they should be. Uh, and then the quote we get from Fizban is, if I weren't so platinum, I'd be blue. Not as in sad or down, quite the opposite. I'd be delighted to be a blue dragon if I weren't a platinum one.
2: That's a little dark for Fizban, isn't it? Mm, that's, mm. That, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good.
1: So for the blue dragon traits, we got a D8 table. Um, I picked two of them. I would rather destroy my lair and lose my horde than allow anyone to steal from me. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to their, they are going to be the best. You're not going to steal from them. You're not taking anything from them. I will burn this place to the ground before I allow that to happen. And I'm so pleased with myself and my own good fortune that I can't stop laughing or chuckling. Like they really, they're just cocky son of a bitches, really. They just believe that they are the best at everything that they do.
0: Yeah, that one surprises me. I never kind of took them as being like cocky, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely uh, like brilliant and like strategic, but never kind of viewed them as, uh, as cocky like that. But
1: I guess it kind of works. Um, For the blue dragon ideals, you get a D6 table and I have lesser beings exist to be my playthings, and I excel at finding ways to toy with them. So again, that's they're the best. They don't care if you're if they see you as lesser, like you just exist to help them or entertain them or whatever they choose that day. And then for the spells we get at young create destroy water and Major Image. At Adult, we get Arcane Eye. And at Ancient, we get Project Image. So again, another Create, Destroy Water, which I thought was interesting.
2: I love it. Yeah, we're dealing with deserts now, right? Yeah, it
1: definitely fits with it. Like, if any of them need to Create, Destroy Water, it's the Blue Dragon.
0: It's the Destroy Water part for Mm -hmm. me. I'm destroying all of the water in your water skins, and you're going to have to walk this desert for three days before you even Mm -hmm. even begin to find me.
2: I also like that the, um, major image and project image are, I mean, that's mirages in the desert, right? Like that can be fun.
1: Yeah. They're very sort of, um, manipulative, I think, spells that they can use to get what they want or get you to go where they want. Yeah. Um, for adventure hooks, we have a D8 table, uh, A blue dragon recently acquired trunks full of dress clothes and costumes, and it's abducting people to put on a fashion show. That one, can you imagine? If you're on like hunting a blue dragon, or you go into a a town and they're like, people are missing, we need you to figure it out. And you get to a blue dragon's lair, expecting them to be in cages or like working, digging out things or dead. And they're strutting down a fashion like runway, putting like all these elaborate clothes on, and the dragons just like, very nice, very nice.
2: I feel like the barbarian in the party is gonna flip shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: like and that just that just made me laugh so much. <laughs> um, for connected creatures, for the warbling... A recently hatched brood of blue dragon whirlings has adopted a wounded pseudo-dragon as a sibling. For the young, a tough-but-fair young blue dragon leads a fantastically loyal mercenary squad. For the adult dragon, a an adult blue dragon plans to present a loyal bandit clan to a bronze dragon as a courting gift. I like that one. It's sort of the first time we get the idea of dragons courting each other mm-hmm. and a chromatic trying to court a metallic i like this. that would look like
0: Particularly a bronze in this case, where the blue dragon and the bronze dragon likely respect similar things, mm-hmm. a similar kind of way that they operate, and the fact that it's deliberately a loyal bandit clan would be useful to a bronze dragon or a blue dragon, and it speaks to things that they both uh, admire.
2: Yeah, For those of you that don't remember, those are the two warfare dragons more than anything else, yeah, so...
1: And then for ancient, an ancient blue dragon without offspring has adopted wormlings of various colors, including a number stolen from the wormling's parents. So then, like, the ancient dragon's getting up there and it doesn't have any descendants. And it's like, I think it's time to, to start a family, but I'm going to just steal them. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the other dragons are hiring you. To get their babies back. And yeah. that's the whole like mission for your party there. Okay, for the blue dragon layers, the they are typically found in deserts and they prefer warm climate. However, if a potential layer happens to be in a colder climate, they will adapt. They are usually underground and have intricate tunnels. The dragons burrow out to have plenty of room for a growing family which I have, and a lot of it has to do with family and courting, and I found that a lot in the inspiration here, that blue dragons seem to be more family-oriented than other dragons. They do appreciate the tactical advantage of height, so will likely have a tall spire of or cliff nearby they can keep watch from. Most would be considered rather homey with a balance of beauty and comfort.
2: It's interesting that they're going to be, you know, occasionally in the... Um... Cold climates as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it does make sense. The largest desert in the world is in Antarctica, right? So it doesn't necessarily specify hot desert, just desert.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're given a map of an ancient city that has sunken into the sand. The dragon has formed crystallized glass walls with its lightning breath, breath as a system right, of... Lightning what? It's oh lightning it's like breath (laughs) (laughs) um to where was i at
2: (laughs) um
1: this is exactly like uh when the word erect came up in the last recording
0: (laughs) (laughs) dave said it no so (laughs) nonchalantly
1: we immediately stopped um okay Lightning breath and has a system of mirrors set up to bring light throughout. I really like that. Um, the using their breath weapon to create like glass walls and stuff throughout their their layer, I think that adds just more that you can do with it. It doesn't just have to be for damage. Their you guys,
0: uh, you guys ever seen Sweet Home Alabama? Yes, of course, you have. This reminds me of Sweet Home Alabama with the the lightning The stuff. lightning rods. Yeah. I yep. would have these little ornaments around.
1: That's the one movie Terry's movie. seen. Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> uh, the entrance chamber has glass walls 30 feet tall with stone pillars left from the city that once was. To the left, it has a horde display room a bit smaller than the entrance. The walls are covered with blue gems that allows the sunlight to give it a glowing blue light. The dragon's den is a large sleeping chamber um, and is rather elegant with silks and bejeweled cushions. There is a private entrance that the dragon has hidden with a secret door so it can come in and out of its chamber secretly. To the side of the den is the dragon's treasury where it keeps anything too precious to display, or any treasure that just doesn't fit the aesthetic or overall hoard. I really love that they keep things that would clash with the other hoard. Like, yeah. this is still valuable, and I know that. But I don't really want people to know that I have it because it just isn't pretty. So I'm going to hide it under but here.
2: They've, they've, not they've,
1: because they've it's too closet. powerful, just because it's ugly.
2: Yeah, there's a closet with all that the, like, I like it, but I'm not going to put it on display. They have, like, a store mm-hmm. on my back.
1: Yeah, like, you know, it just doesn't fit with the vibe that I have going right now. (laughs) Um, And then for additional layer actions, they have two: the misleading mirage until initiative count 20 on the next round. At each intersection or branching passage in the lair, a creature other than the dragon has a 50% chance of going in a different direction from the direction it intends. So they really brought a lot of different areas, so it would be very easy to get lost in um, a blue dragon's lair. And then Sudden Sinkhole, the dragon chooses a point on the ground that it can see within 120 feet of it. A five foot radius, 20 foot deep pit forms centered at that point. A creature on the ground above where the pit formed must make a DC 15 saving throw, dexterity saving throw. Um, on a failed save, it falls to the bottom, taking 2d6 bludgeoning. And if it succeeds, it moves to the nearest unoccupied space. I think that really fits in with the, um, they'll, they'll destroy parts of their their lair to either mess with you, to get out, to bury their treasure so that you can't take it. Um, they're very much not opposed to destroying it all for if it suits them. For regional effects, we have blue luster. Creatures that spend a year within one mile of the dragon's lair find blue objects fascinating and feel compelled to acquire them at every opportunity. Mirage terrain. The area immediately surrounding the lair appears to be a lush oasis. A creature carefully examining the illusion can attempt a DC-15 intelligence investigation check to disbelieve it. A creature who disbelieves the illusion sees it as a vague image superimposed on the underlying terrain. And sandstorm, a sandstorm blows constantly within one mile of the dragon's slayer. And then for the treasure, blue dragons have a very high standard to what they allow in their hordes and will dr- reject even powerful items if they don't fit their standards. Whether it's the looks of the item or a specific period, it's best to know what the dragon likes before attempting to offer it anything. And the two that I've picked are a glass bell that creates the sound of rainstorms and thunder for one hour when struck. And a blue silk fan painted with ground gems that creates a briny breeze when hung from the ceiling.
2: That's good and flavorful. I like that.
1: Yeah, they don't really do much but i feel like they really just show off the elaborateness of what they like
2: the opulence of a Mm -hmm. of a blue dragon
1: yeah so so ground it's painted with ground gems not just regular paint or like it's got to be the best they like confined
2: yeah 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 so uh let's roll initiative 18 16 6 all right so Terry, what's your favorite piece of inspiration for the Blue Dragons?
0: Oh, look, I have to go back to the maps here. I really love the way that they're. the inspiration given for the maps is um, it aligns perfectly with how a Blue Dragon would operate tactically. When you have the this, this web network of narrow passages like this, your party is left with two options if it gets into combat with a Blue Dragon, especially if the movement phase doesn't cover all of this tunnel. Either we all die together from this line breath weapon in the same tunnel, or we split the party, that's it. And none of our tactics are based around splitting the party because we encourage each other to never do this, as does the DM. And now it relies on success from that option only. Uh, I love that because there, you are constantly on the back foot, the blue dragon is in constant control of the battle. Uh, as it would want to be, as it's trained itself to be over hundreds of years. And, um, you know, it's this, even just the passageways alone, just sparks inspiration on other ways in which you can manipulate the positioning of the players.
2: Yeah. Uh, yes. Just everything. Yes. On that. Um, I got to say, I always kind of suspected um, just based on their physical nature and and the giant protrusion of the, out of their nose but uh, there's a lot of little bits and pieces throughout the blue dragon section that leads you to think that they are the horniest of dragons as well. <laughs> so, I'm like I'm all over that and it's not like like mouth breathing pervert horny, it's just like it's springtime and the nearby other dragons are going to just be getting valentines gifts from me because it's that time. So, here's we're going to we're going to wine and dine. We're going to they don't bother with Tinder. They wanna they wanna sit down with somebody they know and really get to know them and have a connection. I think, I think that speaks to a
0: sense of tradition, which I think a very military type dragon would have. You know, this is the way things are done. It's it's expected <laughs> behavior that we do it this way.
2: Yeah, it also gives me the idea that he would absolutely, he or he or she would absolutely invite another dragon in for dinner and a meeting just to be pleasant and cordial and then at the end of the night you can fly away. We don't have to fight. Let's just stay in contact. We may have to rely on each other sometime in the future. It's good to have friends, but don't let your territory encroach upon mine. Right. It's like, he accepts foreign dignitaries and sometimes bangs them. Anyway. Follow that up. Good luck.
1: (laughs) Uh, um, I like that they're like so tactically driven in certain areas but then so like I like this because it's pretty and I don't need it to be the most powerful thing but I like the way it looks so that's what I want
3: yeah
1: Um. but like in other areas it's so they're so like smart about stuff and tactically driven and I'm going to do this because it's going to lead me to this but then they just like it because it's blue <laughs>
2: Yeah, this, this blue dragon's like blue, white dragon's like white shit is getting a little old for me, but mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. We don't have to overly complicate our D&D games. Uh, are these the right spells, do you think, for these dragons, Terry? I think so,
0: yeah. And what I like about these spells, is they're, they are spells that I wouldn't typically go to right away. In fact, some of these spells I would even just immediately disregard without even thinking about how I'm going to use them. But because they're suggested here, you think about it, Naturally, you think about it more and you realize how effective it could be. I'm all over that destroy water. I'd be destroying the water sources for days for these players. Good luck. That's the puzzle. It's not the blue dragon. It's the fact that you're going to die uh, through um, thirst. What the hell is that called? I've lost the word. Thirst? What's it called when you die from? Oh, dehydration? Dehydration. <laughs> dehydration. I must be dehydrated now. Yeah, <laughs> I think I said water starving. You die from water starving. Water starving. <laughs> but uh, yes, I think the spells are, are, are amazing. And then just really get them second guessing themselves with that major image uh, as well
2: the other thing that i would add just it's good for tactics it makes sense for their environments and their layers and stuff you could probably say this for red dragons too mold earth would be a great addition to their spell list yeah
1: Mm -hmm. i like i i hadn't seen arcane eye yet so i had to look up what that one was and that one's like an actual eye follows something around yeah. is that's what it sounds like so whereas the other ones are more like sneaky about their um spying on you this one's like I don't care if you know that I'm spying on you
2: yeah I, I really like the idea too I I've seen it actually played a couple of different ways where one was a legitimate like it looked like an eye got plucked out of a eye socket and it's just floating in the air following you around but then mm-hmm. also there was one where it was just like a floating shimmering a sigil almost of a um like you know the old Egyptian hieroglyph of just the eye but it's just following the party around as well which is magical and sparkly and neat and, mm-hmm. and I like that as well um how do you feel about the new layer details and regional effects Terry I particularly love the
0: the details to the layer because it points out areas uh for the DM to focus on where if things change the blue dragon will notice Yeah, You know, the the Blue Dragon being that kind of military type that it is, it is kind of the same with any sort of uniform service. My girlfriend fucking hates it anytime, anytime, like military people or something come on TV, because within three seconds, I will point out six things that are wrong on that uniform and why it's inaccurate. I can also spot when it's a group of actors as extras, or they've used real soldiers in this situation. I can see immediately Uh, the same with any kind of uniform service, right? Everyone can do that with their own sort of profession. And I think it would be the case with things like the horde display, like in the, in the, in the layer, if you change anything, that blue dragon, I think is going to notice. And these layer features point out the areas um, that the DM should be aware of that the players may interact with and change something.
2: Now you're making me think that they're like captain Holt, right? Yeah. Very, very, very specific and and also um well one of the episodes where they move his podium a half an inch to the left and he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world and he notices it immediately yeah. right that and is- it's not but the same thing is
0: like um if you went in if you stole the uniforms from the minions well you don't know how to wear that properly like he will immediately know that your flash is on the wrong arm your buttons are not lined up with your belt that you were telling him what to do, even though you're the higher rank than him, like all of this stuff would, would just make great for social encounters that are going to build up to uh to combat encounters, most likely.
2: I have to say that I think the most interesting thing for me when it comes to the uh layers is how they use their lightning breasts. I just can't yeah. like it's it's inspired me for my campaigns moving forward. <laughs> Thunderstone Jubblies. <laughs>
1: All of Adam's uh, dragons are gonna get breast weapons now.
2: <laughs> Forty foot cones, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Paps, what's your what's your favorite thing about layer actions and regional effects?
1: Yeah, you know, I like how much time they put into their layers. Like they make them look so elaborate but then they will also just burn it to the ground if they need to and then they'll start over i think they get joy out of making it look so elaborate so they're okay if they have to destroy it because then they just get to make it again and they get to change it you know
2: they're one of those people that's just like bored on a saturday so they're gonna redo their living room
1: yeah they just tear it all down we gotta start over this isn't in anymore i've got it you know this is the new the new style for this season
2: (laughs) Would you like to uh, pimp the
1: shit, Peps? <gasps> pimp the shit. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at It's a Mimic and on Reddit at slash It's a Mimic. You can send us emails at info at itsamimic.com. Send in your mailbag questions there. Um, we also appreciate positive reviews, sharing on social media and word of mouth. And you guys got to send in more mailbag up questions because I'm not allowed to anymore.
2: <laughs> um, all right. So that brings us to um, what was the most powerful dragon, um, which has now been eclipsed by another one now. Um, but let's get into red dragons. Fizzban says you might think a red dragon's fire would burn away any hygienic improprieties and leave the dragon's breath smelling fresh as spring flowers, but you'd be wrong. And uh, that's fun that's flavorful i i can't assume that it smells good like it's just always warm breath all of the i i bet i bet it's stanky um when we get into the red dragon personality traits i mean at this point everybody knows i don't feel like i need to go into this too much they're big, they're bad, they're smartest, they're the toughest, they're the meanest, they know it, and the ego is out of control. So we get things clearly like the worship of smaller creatures pleases me, though their weakness is pathetic. How can they do other than adore me? Yeah, that's on the nose for Red Dragon. Uh, when it comes to ideals, they've got, I mean, a bunch of them are listed here, and they've all got the little titles to them, right? Like, um, there it's one word. Like, the first one is cruelty, and then it explains what that means. And then at the end, it gives you, in brackets, the alignment that it would uh, line up with. Um, But, like, cruelty, might, greed, respect, no limits, and responsibility. Yeah. If you're looking to get a really quick snapshot of what a dragon's overall personality is, I would just go looking at these six words that are listed in FizzBand. You're going to pick it up pretty fucking quick. And then, you know, one of them will be their specific thing that, you know, outshines everything else. But they all very much feel these ways. So when it comes to spell casting, we get a lot of options here. The young red dragon gets Bane, Heat Metal, Hypnotic Pattern, and Suggestion. Um, an adult gets Dominate Person on top of that. And an ancient gets Power Word Stun. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the adventure Uh, hooks that they give us the one that really jumped out to me is um a a little on the nose but it's 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 clearly a thing you can build a campaign around evil cultists plan to meet with a red dragon and persuade it to become a dracolich it's all set up for you right there in the monster manual you you can do this um it's i love red dragons because they're powerful they're also relatively simple, and everybody knows what they're getting into, um, which is why I was kind of inspired by the connected creatures, because you get things like um, a band of kobolds was driven out of its warren by a red dragon wormling. they now raid to survive and to gather offerings to uh, propiti- propitiate. What is that word? Pro- propitiate. I got to look that up. That sounds like Dan made that up. Propitiate. Dear Google box win or regain the favor of a god, spirit, or person by doing something that pleases them. Okay, so they're gathering sure. offerings to propitiate the winged god. So, yeah, that's that's on the nose. That's good, um, but we also get fun things like uh, ogres and ettins cowed by a young red dragon wander the foothills near the dragon's lair, helping them drive away intruders. Again, I do like dragons and giant kin lining up because traditionally they super freaking don't. Um, an adult red dragon uh, rules over a hidden valley filled with dinosaurs. That just makes my the 10 year old Adam very happy. Dragons and dinos. Um, uh, so the last one is the ancient red dragon connections, um, which is a Baylor demon hopes an ancient red dragon's dragon sight, which is the multi-dimensional um, ability to sense other versions of itself. Uh, can help the demon coordinate a multidimensional play for power in the Abyss. I don't often think about demons and dragons teaming up, but shit, why not, right? When it comes to the lair features, I mean, you know what you're getting into. It's dragons, specifically volcanoes, but I mean, you can just rely on dragons if you'd like. Um, In previous editions, there were dragons that liked stony, rocky, mountainous places that weren't red dragons, but it's kind of what we get at this point. And as much as I... I like that. I mean, there's nothing more classic than going into a volcano lair to fight a red dragon. And it, it mentions a couple little details, like servants like to keep the place clean, um, a watch out for intruders. Some minions will worship a dragon and serve willingly, and we will have a dragon cult episode where we kind of get into that shit. Red dragons are perfect for that. But then you look at the lair itself, and there's a pillared hall. which sure, of course, there is. There's a hoard room, which sure, of course, there is, and then, uh, and then there's just the caldera, which is of course the mouth of the volcano with the lava pool uh, in the bottom there, and it just seems small. It just seems tiny comparatively. When I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the passages here. They're all five feet wide, eight feet at the most. This is an ancient red dragon lair. How is it getting into its sleeping quarters? I just think it's it's bizarre and stupid how the openings are just five feet wide for an ancient red dragon, right? Like it it needs to be bigger. the whole, The layers just need to be bigger. I get I get so frustrated. Anyway, when it comes to additional layer actions, you get noxious smoke, uh, which is a twenty foot radius sphere of dark smoke. The dragon conjures at any point it can see within one hundred and twenty feet of it which is fun because, I mean, the volcano smoking makes a lot of sense. Um, Any creature other than the dragon that starts its turn in the cloud or enters it for the first time on its turn has to do a con save or be poisoned, which makes sense. Um, And then we also get Searing Heat, which is a 15-foot radius sphere centered on a point. The dragon can see, again, within 120 feet of it. And then again, it's a con save, taking 3d6, fire, or... Half as much on a success. Um, this is kind of what I expect out of a red dragon layer. Uh, it's not super inspired for me, but it's on brand. Get it? P- brand. Anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, so then there's regional <laughs> effects, um, which is a desertification, which is desertification, um, which means that precipitation is almost non-existent within six miles of the dragon's lair. So everything is just parched and cracked and dry and gross um there's also fiery senses this is probably my favorite the dragon can hear up to 30 feet through any open flame within a mile of its lair and then there's ominous flames which means that any open flames within 6 miles are tinged dark red they hiss and crackle constantly and they throw off embers and showers of sparks again red dragons when it comes to their treasures They love gold, they love precious metals, um, but gold is by far the best. They get excited by like the glint of it, the gleam of it, the smell of it, the sound of it tinkling, and and just everything gold. And of course, rubies and red fiery gemstones and what you expect out of a red dragon. But they do give us some cool art objects like the blackened skull of a young dragon that has been etched with designs and decorated with gems or uh, the statue of a red dragon with gemstones for eyes. A lot of our really traditional dragon treasure stuff is present when it comes to the red dragons. Um, but I like the idea of it being uh, singed and blackened and and fire tinged. You know what I mean? So uh, let's grab dice and discuss red dragons. Eight. i got i got a 15
1: nine
2: all right so oh, that's me first my favorite piece of new inspiration about these dragons i mean a lot of it just felt really on the nose for me um but my favorite new piece of information is is definitely the um the idea that they would have a hidden valley filled with dinosaurs i don't know why that's just my favorite <laughs> they want the biggest bestest most toughest beasts out there. Then are mine. This is my little menagerie. And these are my pets almost. And I think that that's a red dragon with a T-Rex for a pet is just fun.
0: I think just that side quest, two, three, four sessions of let's just play the lost world for a little bit. Yeah. Go. Mm-hmm. Dive in.
1: Yeah. For red dragons, it really is just mostly, you know what you're going to get. Like there's not a ton of newly inspiring things for me, but red dragons are probably my least favorite dragon. So...
2: Really, um, they're your least favorite.
1: yeah are, they don't they're, they don't do it for me
2: no they're they're powerful but they're on the nose
1: mm-hmm. and they're
2: not subtle and they're what you expect yeah right.
1: But I do like the multi-dimensional stuff that they've added, which you can use on any of them, but they really lead into it, I think, with the Red Dragon specifically. Yeah. And that can add quite a bit to your campaign and introducing different worlds. And even um, in our current campaign, we have went on other missions and then we are now entering multidimensional stuff and seeing characters that we used to play, but the opposite version of them enter our campaign as NPCs. So now like my character that was evil and I loved her is now good. And it makes me so mad, (laughs) but it's not the version of her. It's like the multidimensional version of her. And it really is adding to the campaign. So I think playing around with that with your red dragons can add a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me it's these uh, the regional effects. Because I actually, because they are really on the nose and to be expected. But that's actually what I like about red dragons. You would be disappointed if a red dragon was relying on the blue dragon style tactics to get you, or if they were sneaking around stealth kills like the white dragon, or trying to stab you in the back like the green dragon. You would be like, okay, I thought you're supposed to be here by divine right. This kind of feels like you're relying on other things to get the job done. Uh, but that's why I like these regional effects. Um, Because the idea that the the dragon can hear up to 30 feet through any open flame, uh, I I think makes sense that they would just be sat in their volcano, just listening to to what's going to happen. So as you're planning the night before around the campfire or the human fighter that relies on the torch to get through the tunnels as he's going, hey, Rogue, you sneak over there and I'll do this, I'll do this i think it fits because you can use it alongside the ominous flames to telegraph this that somebody may be listening like every time they badmouth the red dragon or every time they say something that might frustrate the red dragon the flames begin to like kick up sparks and go like dark red it's kind of like hey that's a response to something you said you know think about it players there's your clue uh so i really like the regional effects.
2: When it comes to the spells for this for the red dragons, I mean it's on the nose. It again, it makes perfect sense that this would be what they get. Heat metal makes sense. Suggestion, bane, hypnotic pattern is an interesting choice. Uh, but I really like power word stun. Yeah, Peps, how do you feel about uh, About their spell list?
1: I thought it was interesting that they got so many compared to the other dragons.
2: Well, um, I mean, you can tell how powerful they are because the spell save DC for a young Red dragon is 16, which is what an ancient white dragon's spell save DC is. So the power scale is real, guys. Size matters.
1: Size matters. (laughs) Um, I actually don't know what power. An
0: above average, slightly (laughs) above average worm.
2: (laughs) There's one around here. Yeah, it's it's just just a little bit girthier, I think, Mm -hmm, than the -hmm. the white dragon.
0: Slightly above average, as long as it's not cold. Is there a section there?
2: As long as he's not getting out of the pool of lava. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Shrinkage.
2: <laughs> I don't <laughs> right. actually
1: know what powered, Power Word stun does. I've never uh, used that spell.
2: Oh, it, it's a ninth level spell. It's way up there. And the idea here is that um, when is it ninth or eighth level? Power Word kill is ninth level. Uh, the idea is that they say one word and I don't think there's a save. You just you just are stunned. Eighth level. Oh, yeah. You look it up. Yeah. So it's uh, it's eighth level so it's it's super rare to run into but Mm -hmm. um what's the uh i think that there's a power word kill you have to have um and so uh just looking up if the target has 150 hit points or fewer it is stunned it has to make a con save at the end of each of its turns on a successful save the stunning effect ends so powerful and good especially if they're uh trying to run through the lava. yeah
0: what I like about these spells is they all seem to be built around this idea of belittling the player characters and showing the, the demonstrating the dominance of the red dragon. When you cast Bane, it means that they are very unlikely to even be able to hit the dragon. Heat metal, they can't even use their tools and their weapons that they came with. Suggestion means that they are going to be doubting themselves. Uh, yeah, hyp- yeah, hypnotic pattern for that confusion. Uh, I like all of this because it, it just gives that sense that the red dragon can just sit there and be powerful by divine grace, and you useless beings that have approached me can't even do your own jobs effectively. That's what I like about these spells.
2: He's mocking them, right? Every like yeah. his the this verbal component for each of these is mocking the mere mortals, right? Um, when it comes to the new layer details and regional effects i mean the standout for me is being able to hear through flame that's just freaking awesome um i do like the uh layer effect where you can take damage if it's just too warm but honestly i'm gonna make everybody do con saves fairly regularly anyway just because they need to not get exhaustion from being in a fucking volcano Mm -hmm. how do you feel about it peps
1: um Yeah, I think the Hearing Through Flames was probably my favorite also. Um, I also like the one where just the flames are like darker in the area. And I like those sort of subtle details that you're not sure if your party will pick up on or not right away. That you can just sort of throw at them. And then at the end be like, you know, these these things were here. (laughs) All along, it just subtly gets more and more ominous that something's not right before and see how many of them you got to throw at them before they realize
2: <laughs> in character as the red dragon you mock them for not picking up on the clues
1: right <laughs>
2: yeah terry how do you feel about it i love these
0: layer details because it speaks to what i was just talking about okay let's just look at the map for a second so i know it's kind of very obvious there's pillar halls and the and, and the kind of the tunnels and the areas around but then the caldera where the dragon assumably is going to sit on that big rock pile there in the middle of the lava pool that's where I assume the red dragon is but if you add all of these lair details around such as the noxious smoke which make it incredibly difficult to move through the tunnels because you're being poisoned the searing heat for the reasons that Adam just mentioned put together all of those lair actions and this dragon spells that we just talked about it all just adds to this idea that you quickly become useless fatigue makes cowards of us all and he this dragon he or she sits there and with this of a presence of hey i am here i'm sat on a big pile of rocks in the middle of a volcano you know where i am and you can't even get to me you're so useless and and the whole environment is just is just built around this idea of just making people that approach this dragon just seem useless and completely inadequate
2: all right so that's uh that's red dragon's and that's all of the chromatics, and yet we have one new interesting capstone above it all, the chromatic great worm.
0: So the chromatic great worm. So the chromatic great worm is uh, this idea that the most ancient chromatic dragons who have survived over a thousand years, 1200 years or so of mortal life, and they've acquired enough of their hoard, which would now be worth millions of gold pieces, can achieve this form of apotheosis which uh, reaching a level of power approaching that of tiamat herself so the as it says in the book and i won't quote it word for word but the competitive avarice of dragonkind and the interference of adventurers prevent most dragons from attaining this level of power however a chromatic dragon um, who has been able to outwit its rivals or, or overcome the kind of the mightiest of other dragons and all of the potential thieves that w- would have visited it over the millennia um, would be able to ascend to this new level of power. And it's created by destroying their own echoes around the other planes and consolidating that power into that one being. It's like Highlander or the Jet Li movie One, that same sort of idea. So in both size and power, a chromatic great worm exceeds that of even the most ancient of dragons. And the energy of their breath weapons courses over their bodies. It glows underneath their scales uh, and the elemental forces that they wield kind of uh, rage around them when they exert their wrath. So visibly, they they certainly, um, demonstrate much more power than even that of the uh, their ancient dragon counterparts. They no longer need to eat or drink as their hordes are so vast that they magically sustain them somehow, and their power can raise a city to the ground and it can destroy the buildings and the defenders alike. Now let's Take a look at the stat block here we're gonna we're gonna see some noticeable changes and some things are going to be buffed so a chromatic great worm is still a gargantuan dragon still chromatic uh, and still typically chaotic evil they have a real high armor class of 22 uh their hit points are 26 d20 plus 260. uh they have a standard speed of 60 feet burrowing of 60 feet and they can fly 120 feet and they can swim for 60 feet. Uh, their stats themselves are much beefier. Their lowest stat is dexterity of 14, but I mean the next one after that is intelligence of you know over 20 and then their two highest stats being that of strength and uh, and constitution both 30 each. So for saving throws they get dexterity, uh, constitution, wisdom and charisma. For skills they have intimidation, perception and stealth. Damage immunities uh will be uh this is not completely clear actually uh well i guess it depends on what chromatic dragon they'll come from whether it be acid cold uh fire lightning or poison whether it be which color they come from for the condition immunities charmed frightened poison okay fine uh senses they get true sight and per and passive perception of 31 uh with a cr that's a challenge rating of 27
2: hey this is adam in the editing studio again apparently the file got corrupted for a moment there you could kind of make out terry's voice but it was very robotic and annoying to listen to, and I won't subject you to that. So I will just fill in the blank, and then we can jump right back into it. Um, he was talking about this new ability that they have called the Chromatic Awakening. It recharges after short or a long rest. And essentially what it says is that if it's reduced to zero hit points, uh, its current hit point total instead resets to 425. At which point it recharges its breath weapon, it regains all... Of its legendary action uses. And additionally, it can now use the options in the mythic actions section. It can do this for one hour. So, like, it wakes up and just gets like super rage, gets extra cool uh, legendary actions beyond the regular legendary actions. Um, I think that's it. I think I covered everything that Terry said without his flourish that Terry has. So, uh, let me jump back into it then.
0: And I'll touch on the legendary resistances here. So if the great worm fails a saving throw four times per day, four times per day now, it can choose to succeed instead. It has an unusual nature, which means that it doesn't require food or drink, as we've touched on. For the actions, still has multi-attack, bite, claw, tail attacks, as always. Still has a breath weapon, though, of course, this will be much more powerful now. The DC is 26 for a deck saving throw uh, against this breath weapon. On a failed save, it will be 12 D12 damage of the type determined by the Great Worm's kind. So it's gonna be acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison. The legendary actions, as typical of legendary dragons, you can do an attack or you can do a wing attack, where well, you can now also use an ability called Arcane Spear. It costs three actions the great worm essentially creates four magical spears of of, of force energy and each spear hits a creature of the great worm's choice it can see within 120 feet of it and it will deal 1d8 plus eight force damage to its target and then disappears we also have mythic actions which we touched on a moment ago so if the great worm's chromatic awakening trait has been activated in the last hour It can use the options below as legendary actions. It can perform a bite attack. Great. There's another one, though. Chromatic Flare. This costs two actions. The Great Worm flares with elemental energy. Each creature within a 60-foot radius sphere centered on the Great Worm must succeed on a DC 26 dex save or take 5d8 damage of the type determined by the Great Worm's kind. So those are the mythic actions and everything to be covered within the stat block. Adam DM questions, or would you like me to cover anything else for Great Worm?
2: No, sorry. I, I was talking, but I was muted. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so, do you guys think... All right, let's roll an issue. Sure. Uh, four. I also got a four.
1: I got a two. All
2: right, Terry, roll off. Two. What'd you get? Two. I got a ten. All right, so, first of all, is this worthy? Is this the the capstone that we were looking for, for Chromatic Dragons? Um, For me, yeah. Yeah, this this kicks ass challenge rating 27 yeah this kicks ass um i'm glad that it is not as powerful as tmf but it is close yes i do
0: feel that it's a worthy capstone however it started to feel very video game like i feel like this is a final fantasy boss that take it down to zero hit points is a quick 30 second cutscene. it gets beefier loads of green smoke comes out of places and then all of a sudden it's just a bigger version of itself we're playing digimon at this point Um, so as long as your players are okay with that kind of game, then sure.
2: I, I think as long as you let them know ahead of time, Yeah. if you're going to fight a CR 27, keep in mind that your, your party's level 20, right? Like you're outclassed at this point. They've got to do research. They've got to gather information. They should know that this is a potential threat. Right.
0: Otherwise, it's going to seem like you're making it up. Yeah. Like, you're like, what are these mythic actions? That sounds very
1: made up. (laughs) That sounds like you made that up. (laughs) You got to have the book open. Like, I I swear.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I also feel like the best way to do this with a red dragon, for example, would have it then plummet down into the lava. You shoot it. It looks really wounded. It plummets down. And then suddenly the volcano starts to rumble to explode. And, you know, every skill challenge, get out of the volcano in time. And as you're sitting there watching it erupt, the red dragon burst forth from it again. Like there's ways to make it cinematic and fun and cool. Right. Um, and I would mm-hmm. lean on the environment to kind of imbue it. Right. Right.
0: Raise the lava as well. So now the map has changed.
2: Exactly. The example,
1: yeah. yeah. So you don't just stumble upon one of these. You like see it happen.
2: Oh yeah. I don't know how I feel about the generic stat block for all chromatics, like I know that it does differentiate, but for the uh, damage immunities and the breath weapon. But it'd be cool if the things like arcane spear and and stuff was I don't know directly related to the kind of damage that I don't know. Like, how do you feel about it, Terry?
0: Yeah, I mean there must be a reason that they went force damage. Maybe like they're just pulling it straight from the weave or something like that. But. Yeah, you think that they would kind of align it around the damage type of the dragon itself, especially because everything else is uh, is built around that. Um, I don't mind the generic stat block for all chromatics kind of being incorporated into this because it does make the DM's job easier. It's a little bit easier to get on board with for the players because it's kind of just an extension of what they already know. Um, and these, these new abilities of Arcane Spear and Chromatic Flare, I don't mind these because they add a new level of stress. You know, when this happens, the party is already going to be hanging on by a thread, you know, that sixth round in combat where their hit points are down, they're running out of spell slots, they're, this is their last ditch attempt, it's heal myself or or use this big spell and they'll use the big spell to get the hit points down to zero. And then when this uh, the chromatic awakening happens and these new abilities come into place, it's going to be so stressful. This is where, again, I feel like players are going to be arguing amongst themselves. They've never been this deep into the weeds before. You know, they do, what happens after you're already at the red limit? We don't know what we can do after this. So it's a new level of stress. I think it heightens everything.
1: Perhaps? Um, yeah, I would... If I was writing one of these, I would add, maybe I would, you know, change some of the legendary actions or add in some from whatever um, type I was doing to, to give it a little bit more flavor and just sort of bump it up or, you know, homebrew that. I think this book is very good at giving you a base for, even in, in like other sections, a base of these are general things you can do and then pick your dragon and add to that your flavor in. So I would, I would homebrew a little bit uh, more flavor into some of those.
2: Yeah. I got to say, I love the chromatic flair though. That's the kind mm-hmm. of shit that I, I've wanted from day one. Yeah. Um, what's one piece of inspiration that you have about combat encounters with a great worm? Um, for me, honestly, I'm going to flaunt this. First of all, the size i know it's gargantuan and so is an ancient but up the damn size to the point where it blots out the freaking sun this is a biblical level monster that we are talking about here this shit is out of revelations and it needs to feel that way um and So again, you're not, this is not a random encounter. This is, I don't want to use the Tarrasque as the final thing for the campaign. So we're going to do this because it's been a dragon campaign. You need to feel it and it needs to be scary. So yeah, my, my big thing about the combat encounter here is it needs to be in your face. I think it lands because it's not scared and it gets (laughs) in your party's face and it's, they're smart enough to go for the kill. They will Kill the squishy one first, or the biggest, scariest one first, depending on how egotistical they are, right? But uh, they're going to go for the kill on this. That, that bard is getting flung into the lava, right? They're just going to use its... So, okay, so there's the other thing. There's no spells. Are we just keeping the spells from the from the ancient dragon, then?
0: I think so. I don't think yeah. you're going to lose them. It's not clear rules is written I see, but I wouldn't remove the spells.
2: What you, what's uh what's one of your um combat inspirations terry
0: i think the idea that this chromatic great where must have traveled all of the planes to achieve this uh this level of supremacy now means i think we can lean on that in the in the combat encounter i think we could pull the players into these different planes constantly stress them with new environments all the time that they're getting sucked into i think this battle could actually go along go on for Hours in like, uh, in player time, right? As we're around the table, as you kind of are moved between different planes, perhaps there'll be like a lull in the battle where you may get an opportunity to try and heal. You can bring in NPCs that you've met in different planes. You know, this is going to be towards the end of your campaign now. Um, you can even, uh, what I like to do sometimes is let the players play the NPCs in the battle so they can take a break from their other players and really drag this out over a long period of time where it feels like a big combined effort across a lot of planes Planes will give this huge big kind of biblical revelations to uh, type feeling you know i don't think this is an encounter that should be open it, over in a single hour perhaps
1: yeah i would um definitely pull it in pcs and people because like you said you're a level 20 by now so you have spent so much time gaining allies helping kingdoms you know, solving the problems of the world. And then this is like the big thing at the end. Um, As a player, I would want to pull on every connection, pull every favor I've spent the last year or two playing this campaign making to come and help fight this thing. This is your last stand, your all out battle. Use everything you've got.
2: And, and, Keeping in mind, what's the average hit points of an NPC? These guys have a 300-foot cone DC-26 dex save for 12d12 damage. You're going to wipe out a third of their beloved NPCs. They spent all campaign doing. It is going to feel epic when you just hit them with that and fly the fuck away.
0: Yeah. I love it. And then you can just, the idea that you can break this up into smaller battles, right? You can have, the Wyverns will still be above the volcano, or maybe your Eric Cocker friends are having to deal with some sort of aerial battle with them. You know, we'll get to that next session. We'll pause here. We'll see how that's going to affect this. This can be done on such a huge scale. This will be memorable for, for players, I think.
2: And remember, the bigger the dragon, the bigger the horde and the multiple layers, right? So you mm-hmm. can be really chasing it around for a while. Yep, which yep. is just awesome so uh, what's one piece of inspiration you have about exploration encounters um for me it is going to be absolutely the fact that you should be ramping up the layer to the nth degree if it's a if it is a volcano for an ancient dragon it is a perpetually erupting volcano for a um red great worm right it it can't just be cold for a white one, right? Or the forest is deep. It has to be the most overgrown super forest where every tree is bigger than a skyscraper, right? Like I'm really ramping up that environment so that you feel small and insignificant in this presence. Gary?
0: I think um, the, uh, feel the threat in the regional effects and in the region around, You know, as you're kind of dipping in and out of this battle or moving to different planes or bringing in different NPCs, if the heat in the region has increased maybe the, the nobles in the area are concerned that perhaps the dragon is winning this battle six miles away somewhere. Or, you know, if the crops start to die or if the water level starts to rise, it might suggest uh, something else. So for the explorative elements of it, uh, I think that should be, there should be signs of what is happening based on how it affects the region for miles around.
1: I think with exploration, you could, you could you could do so many sessions up to this, exploring the different multiverses just chasing this dragon killing its echoes and you get there too late at every one of them until it leads up to this but your party just jumping portals to different places and seeing all the different worlds that and echoes that are out there you could explore so much more than just your little corner of the world and this part of the forgotten realms
0: yeah and not even just chasing it right like you might go into a a realm where that echo finds you first and has mm-hmm. decided that you have to die and you know if i kill this echo i'm just adding to the power of the other guy that he hasn't met yet and so it's kind of rocking a hard place
2: so what's uh one piece of inspiration you have about social encounters with a great one um honestly uh... There, there was that phrase right at the beginning of the book about, um, when you want to role play a dragon, relax. These great worms are scared of nothing short of Tiamat herself. They are going to be scared of absolutely nothing. And that I think is, uh, is by far the most important thing to remember in a social encounter. Even when they retreat, they're retreating to drag you deeper into their territory. Everything is tactical. They're at no point do they feel like they're going to lose. Even when they drop to zero hit points, they come back with a chromatic flare, right? Like they're still kicking. They're still fighting. It's still a problem. And they know they can do this shit because they're great worms. They know that, all right, now i got to dig deep and actually fight them. They should not be legitimately scared to the last two rounds of combat. And then they should flee, right? Which means honestly, for a social encounter, boasting um boast and roast i will say let them know that they are just total uh useless pieces of shit they're never going to win this battle oh wow you hit me with disintegrate that hurt my toe what do you got what else where are we going with this really really plan out what you're going to say to fuck with them in initiative make the players feel scared in ways that the dragon won't
0: yeah, it's this idea that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? If you, you know, the party will know at this point, if they are not getting a response from the dragon, from this chromatic great worm, that whatever they're doing is not having an effect. So that's just a feeling of absolute hopelessness. So you either get absolute hopelessness because you're not getting a reaction from the chromatic great worm, or you have crippling fear because you are getting a reaction from the great worm. And that must mean if you've got to the point where you're getting a reaction from them, whatever that reaction is going to be is not going to be good. It's going to be the worst possible thing that you can imagine. So your two lines are you either have absolute hopelessness or crippling fear. And that's it. That's all you can expect.
2: So depression or anxiety,
0: there you go. Yeah. Pick, pick your poison. You're getting them both.
1: <laughs> um, I like, like, you're not going to say anything to this thing that's going to matter. But I like the idea, Um, you know, Terry had mentioned the video game-esque of these things. These You're going to get that, like, big monologue, the, like, bad guy monologue from these guys right before they turn into this and like this is my plan you've I've been Doing it all along, and you guys have witnessed it all. Now sit back and witness this, and like that's that's about I think all you're really gonna be able to do with this is just sit and listen to what it has to say because it does not care what you have to say.
2: Uh, You know, the other thing that I think would be absolutely phenomenal is flipping that on its head after it does this chromatic awakening. So Mm -hmm. it does the big monologue, you fight, it drops to zero, it goes down, and then it comes back and it does this big chromatic flare. And it stands directly in front of the wizard, who was the one that got the killing blow, narrows his eyes, and just looks into his soul Mm -hmm. for two rounds. Everyone else is attacking, and he doesn't flinch. And now he's going to do the crazy amounts of, like, uh, attacks. And and that alone should have the wizard shaken in their slippers. Um, The one final piece of inspiration that I have when it comes to a chromatic great worm and this is going to terrify your spellcasters in a unique way, is um, give your Great Worm three or four charges of uh, counter spell. Mm -hmm. That alone would make a a spellcasting difference between uh, an Ancient Dragon and a Great Worm, is the ability to say, no, you don't. Um, And if not counterspell, then, of course, dispel magic. So all those zones of safety and circles of protection and all that shit will just go away. Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap this up? All right, then <laughs> no final talk. So, no,
1: I think we've covered quite quite a lot there. Yeah, um, we
2: covered a lot. Yeah, this was a long episode, but I mean, there we did cover six dragons. so mm-hmm. um, I guess that wraps us up uh, for these updates on uh, Fizband's Treasury of Dragons, but we're not done with dragons by a site. So there are a lot of other dragons in d and d. And you should subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. The next time we circle back to dragons, we'll be giving metallic dragons the same treatment. So feel free to hold your breath until then. Get it? Hold uh-huh. it. Yep. All right. Fuck. Anyway. For your breasts. Hold hold your lightning breasts. Uh, incidentally, <laughs> I Google searched it and I just got a bunch of Final Fantasy 13 shit and it was uh, underwhelming and disappointing. Hmm. Oh yeah. Lightning. Yeah, that tracks though. Anyway, next week, uh, Dan is going to return to the Forgotten Realms to give a better understanding about what else is in the world beyond the Sword Coast and even uh, Toril. I think he's digging into the magic and the planes and the weave.
0: So thanks for listening to another episode of the It's Mimic podcast. If you would like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we are available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get.
1: In an it's a mimic production inquiries requests and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at it'samimic.com. what is your power word stun word if you had one word
2: you have one word to utter all right let's, let's roll initiative on this oh, i got a i got a seven six what word do you use to stun people oh is it me first sorry i didn't pay attention to the internet. i yeah,
1: didn't yeah. hear what you actually got <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got
0: 11.
1: Oh, yeah, you're first.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. Years ago, years ago, when I was like, uh, when I was still in the army and I was doing riot control, I had this sergeant major who's, uh, he, when he was teaching us the techniques for riot control, it was give them fair warning. I think he said three times and then kind of do your thing. And it was always get back, get back, get back. Fuck you. It was Scottish. You're from Glasgow. And so that that would be for me. Get back, get back, get back, get back.
2: Fuck you. And that would be uh, what I would do. Um, I worked in a haunted house for a while uh, and for a number of years and I used to just scream from behind fake walls and you know big deep demon voices or scary high-pitched cackling and stuff but I found the most effective way to totally scare people was to just jump out in front of them when they weren't expecting you to do it and say something utterly and totally confusing because they would be scared and then confused so we were often trying out the most bizarre words to use uh the two most effective ones i've noticed when people are terrified and you are chasing them saying peanut butter peanut butter peanut butter peanut butter legitimately bothers them i don't know why but peanut butter is a great way to confound and terrify people however spatula gets them to just stop everything and go what so i feel like that's probably the right answer for power words
1: spatula
0: that's your word spatula spatula. yeah (laughs)
2: Perhaps what's yours
1: Uh, um yeah I like the idea of it just like meaning nothing um but also like my name pepperita sparkle jim means nothing so I might just yell like sparkle (laughs) jim and like nobody nobody knows what that is (laughs) what I'm talking about
2: I love the I love the idea of your power word stun or power kill being your own name
1: my own name yeah and they're gonna be like what (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> like just like kicking the door open and being like, Edo.
1: <laughs> and everybody stops.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> You've arrived. <laughs> that is rather dragging, isn't it? Just like <laughs> the best word is me, obviously. Clearly. So, yeah. Clearly.
0: <laughs> I'm coming. I'm just finding my page. Yeah. I mean, I'm not coming. I'm arriving. I'm getting to it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Know what I'm talking
2: about <laughs> you're almost there, almost <laughs> there. <laughs> nearly nearly oh well done one moment please
1: thanks for listening bye